Hello, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm I, Alex. I'm... <laughs> you just came in too early, my dude. I, uh... You missed the mark. I was so excited. It's. I feel like it's been a while since we've just we just had a game. Just had a, a good game. To just. I feel like we've said that a lot, and it's literally only ever been at most two episodes. Yeah, but for us, that's a month. For you, it's I near mean, days because I know you binge us. I know you. I mean binge that. Us. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you want to take your you want to take your intro one more time. You want to tell the people who you are. I'm Duncan. I, I'm go. the one that ruins the podcast and makes you go, ah, I, I don't know. Maybe not this one. <laughs> uh, and this week, we went ahead and we played Tacoma. Uh, Tacoma was developed developed by Fulbright Studios. Uh, it was released all the way back in August 1st of 2017. You can pick it up on Steam right now for about $10, I think. Duncan, you said it might be on Game Pass. I don't know if it still is at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you can you can check it out. I, it's it's released a lot of places at this point. I didn't write it down. I know it's on PC. I know it's on a couple of different consoles. You can check it out, no problem. Uh, but let's uh, let's let's talk a little spoiler free about the game. Then we're gonna do a quick summary for people who either haven't played it or it's been a while since they played it. Then we'll dive straight into questions from there. But Duncan, how did you feel about Tacoma? Yeah, and maybe we should describe yeah. what Tacoma is. Yeah, for- <laughs> uh, like well, Tacoma is a city in Washington. Um, yeah, you learned that. <laughs> 10 minutes before we hit record. That's right. Uh, so that's all I have. Um, but uh, yeah, Tacoma is a uh, game where you are boarding a uh, sort of abandoned or dead ship in a way uh, that you are exploring this um, this facility where you get this device upon entry where you're able to see a recorded version of where these six people were on the ship and what they were doing and what they were talking about and you're able to sort of like rewind and fast forward that recording and you learn what happened on the ship in the last like three or four days um to sort of investigate it and you're also as you're going from scene to scene you're also uploading sort of this uh this ai program or something along those lines i'm saying it for a a summary. I actually mm-hmm. know what's going on. I promise. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so it's sort of a walking simulator to be reductive, but it is. Uh, it, it's got some sort of like a little bit of gameplay to it, where you're rewinding and fast forwarding and sort of like checking out different scenes as people walk into different places. Um, yeah. If you if if you ever played Gone Home, which is actually the first game these the studio made. Um, it is it is that exact style of gameplay again, but this time space and with actual like characters that you get to watch scenes from, as opposed to just getting clips from like you know random newspaper stuff throughout the world. Though you are still getting a lot of clips of information from random newspaper stuff throughout the world. That is still like the main way that you get backstory on all of these characters. Yeah, but the main events of the story um, take place in 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 recorded dialogue, which. For and to sort of transition into our feelings on it, I like this game way more than I liked Gone Home. So if you're like <laughs> kind of like eh, on Gone Home, you might like this one. Don't uh, don't put it to rest by just uh, by just hearing Alex say that it's it's sort of similar because it yeah, is. But... Famously, you liked Gone Home less than most people I know, right? Right, right. So if you were in my camp, in my cool camp, then uh, yeah, you might like this one. But I need to still replay it. Yeah, it, it's been it's been years since I touched Gone Home. I remember it being like 
I, I mean, I think I remember it at the time for being revolutionary in the way that it was like, hey, here's an, like a game that is literally built around environmental storytelling and yeah. very little of the story is given to you up front um, in a way that I think a lot of other games have then taken a lot of cues from. And I liked it a lot at the time. It's been so long since I played it that I feel like I might end up walking in and being like, well, a lot of other games did this already. It's not as interesting anymore. Um, and I, I tended to enjoy the story in Gone Home, though I also thought they put way too much of a creepy atmosphere in there for not enough of a punch. But that's not the game we're talking about, though right. we will probably continue to reference it because it is a very, very similar game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely also walked away from Tacoma pretty high on it. Um, I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought the story kind of, the the AR recordings that you get throughout the ship made it really a, a lot easier for me to connect with the characters than if I had just been getting snippets of like information throughout like audio diaries without any visual component to it or anything like that. Um, I think the the story, like overarching story of what happened at this Tacoma space station, it stays relatively interesting. You know, I don't think it's, you know, top 10 sci-fi stories of all time or anything like that, but it was definitely enough to keep me engaged in what is essentially like, you know, an interesting scenario for the story that is largely about diving into the the lives and interpersonal relationships of these characters. Um, so I think it it definitely held my attention. For ten dollars, is more than worth it. For free on Xbox Game Pass, it'd be more than worth it. Worth it, you know. So it's I, also I definitely recommend checking out. It's also two hours, which is yes, so, which so is like, exactly what we wanted. Yes, exactly. So if you want like a quick like, it's almost like the length of a movie. Just uh, just go, you know, go enjoy that one. It's it's very yeah. good. Uh, Gorgeous so, art design and direction and everything like that, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and just sort of bring you up to speed. If you have not played this yet or um, if you uh, want a quick refresher, go ahead and listen with us as we just sort of dive into the story. So this is your spoiler warning. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, you want to you wanna start us off? You want me to go? I can I can I can start us off. Did the beeps um, get you? The beeps got me. It was we're talking about a game that is so distinctly futuristic in its design <laughs> and story and <laughs> audio design. <laughs> we dropped him with the beep beep. Beep beep. beep. <laughs> like a fucking news anchor giving a sign off. <laughs> well, you know once I passed the spoiler territory, I turned into a different man. That is extremely true. I've always said post-spoiler Duncan is way more fun at parties. Oh, yeah. Um, so, in Tacoma, uh, again, Tacoma is the name of the space station you're going to that is kind of in this, you know, there's a number of space stations throughout the world. They they kind of set all this up, and it was, I don't even really know what it is supposed to be for explicitly. I think a lot of, like, research stuff, you've got a crew of six stationed there. Um, I will just go over the crew really quickly. Um, you've got Roberta Williams, who's a mechanical engineer. It goes by Bert. You've got Natalie Kurashenko, goes by Nat. She's the systems engineer. You've got Sarah Hesmati, who is the ship doctor. You've got Evie St. James, who is the station admin. You've got Clive Sadiq, who is the operations manager. And you've got Andrew Dagyab, who is the botanist. Uh, and then there's also a system, a like a station AI named Odin. And these are the, the seven characters, I guess, if you're including Odin, which you probably should, um, who will you know, make up the the bulk of the story. But you personally are playing Amy Ferrier, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. Um, or she goes by Amy. That's not her full name, but I don't remember what her full name is right now. Um, so you are going to the station to kind of, you know, as a subcontractor for Ventus, Ventress? 
Oh, I should have looked. I should have written that one down. I should have <laughs> written that one down. I think Duncan? it's Ven- I think it's Ventus. Okay, you look that up while I continue <laughs> for a minute. Um, so you are, you know, you're going on there as a subtractor, subcontractor for the company that owns this station, and you're essentially going there to retrieve all the data of what happened since you know the crew is no longer there, uh, and also to then you know get this station AI that is still physically on board to retrieve that so it can be like wiped and reset and maintained because it's incredibly valuable. Um, so the the way the entire game plays out is like Duncan had mentioned, you go there and you're given these kind of essentially AR earbuds you you put one on the left and one on the right and then you can you know this data is presented to you in a uh, viewable way so that you can interact with it so that you can hear it you can get these station recordings you can get like you know people pull up AR desktops as they're walking around so you can uh, you can interact with those and kind of see what they were looking at or who were they texting at the time um the Venturis Duncan found it is Venturis I should have remembered that um so then the way the game takes place is you go into this this long cylindrical station that has a bunch of arms. And essentially what you are doing is going through the station sector by sector. There's only three sectors you go into. Um, getting a little bit of recorded information, taking that, and then moving, you know, moving on to the next one, eventually leading your way to the ship's AI. Um, Duncan, do you want to walk through yeah. the... The first station that you go through? Yeah, so in the first station, I'm just going to keep it pretty broad here. Um, there is a little party that's going on, and while this party is going on, and all the characters are sort of relaxing and celebrating this uh, year milestone, um, a meteor hits the, uh, or some sort of space rubble, something hits your the station, and has knocked out the oxygen and the communications. So the uh, people on this the six-person station are not able to reach out to anyone and are also only have about mm, three days, I think, about, of yeah, breathable... Yeah, it's 72 hours of oxygen. Yeah, 72 oxi- hours of oxygen. So everyone starts to sort of, you know, uh, freak out and d- discuss what they should do. Um, and I'm not sure if this happens here or on the next wing, but they decide that what they're going to do is put a couple of the characters, a couple of the people who are not essential to the plan in a cryogenic stasis for a while. And this isn't like future, future cryo where it's like, you know, you're just cryogenically frozen as long as you want to be. It's like, this is going to keep you asleep for, you know, up to 24 to 72 hours. But if any longer, you, you're pretty much just dead. Um, yeah, not necessarily, stasis. but that, it's, it, there is a significant risk to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, some of the non-essential crew later, um, later takes that. But um, uh, Bert and Nat, the mechanical engineer and system engineer, are going, and the the uh, medic uh, stay behind to sort of make this um, make this drone that is going to be able to take them away from the space station to land on back on earth, I believe. And, uh, earth or the moon or something like that. Yeah. On on a, on a planet where people could help them. And then the Mm -hmm. medical uh, specialist could then wake them up and, you know, take care of them medically. Um, so yeah, a lot of conversation and dialogue happens around there. Like, um, the, botanist andrew um kind of has a inner conflict about the uh whether 
he wants to be put in cryo or not because he thinks that, hey, uh, Ventress will probably come to pick us up, but the AI is sort of, you know, telling them the likelihood of them coming to pick them up, and it's sort of implied that uh, they don't seem to care too much about them, or, you know, like, it wouldn't be yeah. a big deal to check on them all the time, or how often they'd be checked on, so it's sort of a risk taking this, but it is a lot less likely that Ventress will ever, you know, c- come to to save them. Um mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else of super interest happen in between there? I can't think of too much. That uh, so most of that important. was actually the second wing, but yeah. 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 I mean, the, the not a lot actually really short. One. Yeah. And then there's also like, you know, there's some interesting stuff, you know, a lot of what happens in the first wing is interpersonal stuff. Right. Um, so, and we'll dive into that because I think it's where the heart of the game is, but it's not good for a story summary. Um, right. After that, I think the the next couple of scenes are a lot of how the crew starts to begin to deal with the realities of this. this. Um, like Duncan had said, the the botanist Andrew has like some some concerns, but eventually comes around. Um, you get you know Sarah is the the ship doctor. She is scanning everybody to make sure they are healthy enough to go into cryo sleep because the only one who will actually not go into cryo is Bert because she'll be piloting the the like you know not meant to be manned drone down to safety. Um, and I think really the the main interesting thing we get in this is that Natalie um, Nat is the systems engineer who would be one of the last people to go into cryosleep. And the thing that is revealed is that she probably will die if that happens. Like they her do heart. a body scan of her, and she has a some sort of heart palpitations, which means that her risk for you know imminent death upon coming out of cryostasis would be like eighty percent. Um, and Sarah distinctly chooses to withhold this information from her thinking that there's really no other way and that this would just make her you know this would add a lot of weight to her going through with this decision natalie going through with this decision um but i think that's pretty much the only thing we get on that that medical side of the biomedical station um and then the real i mean honestly the real story happens in the engineering station yeah um which is the last one you go to which um essentially you know the whole conceit of that one, you know, outside of the interpersonal stuff that happens is that Natalie and Bert are working on, you know, actually retrofitting the drone. And during the middle of that, something they do, which is kind of, you know, not 100% certain, uh, some component that they try to connect and turn on ends up causing an explosion and burning through the majority of their oxygen, as well as severely injuring both of them. Not Neither one of them are dead, but they're both injured, at which point Odin, the station AI, who throughout this entire game is becoming... You know, your interactions have, you've seen them become more and more personal with the crew, um, one way or another, kind of explains to um, Sarah, who is, you know, kind of taking this lead role at this point, that there is another door on the ship that they haven't been allowed to go into, and explains to her that it can be opened, and they maybe she should go check that out, but that's kind of all he's allowed to say, um, wherein she... You know, goes through the whole ship, gets to that door, uh, which is kind of the AI communications area, and then finds out um, via communications that Odin has had and that Venture's employees or the Venture CEO has had that actually an asteroid didn't hit the ship. Actually, what happened was that the oxygen, like there was a explosion that Odin was forced to create on the ship that wiped out the life support, and then all of the communication was intentionally cut. Um, in essence, this whole setup was Venturus saying, hey, we need to have this happen, which this is the part that, of the story that I actually like, was, hey, we need to 
have a catastrophic failure on a manned space station caused by humans, or, you know, the PR will say it was caused by human error, so that we can then, you know, use that to pressure legislators to make it so that it is legal to have a station that is completely unmanned and is run explicitly by AI, because Ventures does a lot of AI and AI station running. Um, and as of right now, it's not legal for that to happen. So they were going to essentially kill the workers on the Tacoma station, frame it as if it was worker error, and then, you know, have, you know, Make months the- down the road legislate so that they were able to do that so that they could continue with their plan to offer these, like, you know, AI bungalows that people can stay in that orbit Earth and shit like that. Um, but finding all of that out, Sarah is able to kind of override that, find a way to communicate with passing ships, and then the station is able to, you know, essentially be rescued with minimal amount of time left. They are able to get everybody out of cryostasis, and they are able to then board a ship, fly away, and... Um, at the end of it, it's revealed, you know, you take the station AI, you bring it into your ship, um, and then your character speaks with Odin, the station AI, who saved all the people going against directives that he was given, essentially, um, and reveals that Amy is actually, um, a, you know, essentially a, a sleeper agent for the AI Liberation Federation um, and offers Odin the station AI asylum with them, which Odin then takes, and then you fly off into the sunset. Oh, okay. We did it. So... But I feel like that was none of the game. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the overarching yeah. story. That's what you need to know what happens, because we're not going to be like, and then Sarah walked into this room, and then she had this conversation, and this is her workout locker, and this, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. But, you know, if you, know, like if you, if you haven't played the game... Um, because if you have, you probably know this, but if you haven't played the game, yes, that's all of the major beats of the story, but a lot of that is significantly enhanced or a lot of that only works because of these interpersonal relationships because of the you know Bert and Nat are married and Clive and Evie St. James are you know they kind of flirted around and eventually ended up together and Andrew has a lot of communications with his child and husband back home like there's a lot of the interpersonal relationships are what ties this whole story together in a, a really engaging way and then a lot of the the you know story building around you know, Venturis as a company and the world that it exists in and why it would make sense for them to try and do this. And like, you know, the party that they're celebrating at, you know, the beginning is an obsolescence day party, which is a party to commemorate the fact that there was a bill that essentially said that, no, there's like humans still have to have jobs. They still have to work. You can't have an AI only station. Um, So all of the themes and everything tie in really well throughout the game. But you really like if what I'm saying is if you haven't played the game, it's still totally worth it to play the game, even knowing that overarching story. Yeah, for sure. I think this game has pretty like decent replayability. If you didn't have, you know, like, or just like knowing the overall story, it's still, there's still a lot that we did not explain here, but uh, yeah. So speaking of the crew of Tacoma, what characters did you like find yourself easier to connect with? Did you find it easy to like, grasp onto them right away what were your kind of thoughts and feelings on those crew and how did seeing them as like these like polygonal blocks but also seeing like the real pictures of them how did that all work for you in your head as you played yeah i i think it it worked surprisingly well uh i think frequently it can be kind of hard to relate to like you said these you know polygonal holographic characters walking around i do think they did a really smart thing which was not like 
A, they were all color-coded, each of the different holograms, Super so smart. you know who you were looking at. Um, they also had, like, an image of what they would do, essentially, like, a, a logo on their back. Um, but I also think it was really interesting that, like, you know, in most AR things, I would expect it to be like, oh, here is the model of a person that walks around. But these, like, outside of ha- being color-coded, they also had, like unique body shapes too that like there were some that were tall and lanky there were some that were a lot shorter some people were really skinny some people were like heavier like it you could get a lot more of a a human element out of those holograms than i would have normally expected from a lot of games um, which was something that like genuinely surprised me when i got in and maybe i was you know looking for too much but i feel like you don't normally get body shape when you get a hologram type thing like that i don't know if if i'm just not well versed but that made it a lot easier for me to connect to them on a human level um and then seeing you know pictures and everything like that scattered around obviously it it helped but i didn't find it necessary at no point did finding like the human pictures make me form any closer of a bond with those characters i don't know about you i don't know if that was like integral for you or anything like that yeah no i i I actually kind of like the pictures because it told me a little bit more I don't know. It just it gave a face to the shape, but I would absolutely dislike if, you know, there was like this kind of goofy 3D model of the character and I could pause it at any time and look at what their stupid face looked like at that moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just like there, there's game model stuff where you can get really close to stuff and just look at it and I think that would totally mm-hmm. take you out of the game. So I think they handled that really well and I think something I thought about more when I, as I left the game was how important like body language is and i think there's a lot of body language in the animation of stuff like that and like you can read certain parts of the character and i don't think it always comes off but like it there are some points where it's like you can tell through the body language how the character is feeling also through the voice acting but i don't know Mm -hmm. there is there's something to be said about not being able to see a facial expression, but being able to read someone's body and um, how kind of cool that is that they're able to transfer character into just a, you know, polygonal polygonal human shape and have it still feel like a character. But I actually liked the, the like, profile pictures because it, again, felt kind of like... Uh, I think a lot of this game feels pretty voyeuristic and like looking through mm-hmm. stuff and looking at people's like desktop at what, you know, they were sort of looking at at that moment. Uh, but, you know, and, and being able to see people's faces too. I don't know. It was kind of cool. I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, and as far as the characters go, I think that some of the characters that that you don't get to see a lot of because they go into cryo pretty early they -hmm. don't feel as fleshed out as some of the ones that like like uh sarah is probably like the one that you spend the most time with Um, yeah and i think she's pretty well fleshed out you learn you know a little bit about her past or parents and stuff like that but i think some of the other characters like i think the botanist story was a little bit like i don't feel like i got a ton out of out of him or some of the Mm -hmm. other ones so i would have I probably would have enjoyed a little bit more of them, but I don't think it was super necessary. I just didn't connect with them as much. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I feel like um, I can really agree with you on 
wanting a little bit more out of the characters who weren't present for the whole thing, you know, Evie, Clive, and, and Andrew. I re- I feel like we actually got a lot with Andrew, personally, just with him being the only one that had, like, real reservations about this plan and him being the only one that seemed to, to some degree, buy into the company loyalty thing, right? The whole backdrop of this game is, like, you know, capitalist hyper dystopia, you, you know, the longer you stay at a company, the more company loyalty points you accrue, and, like, you can use those for discounts to go to the, or, like, not even necessarily discounts, but use this to, like, set up payment plans for the company university that you can go to that will then, you know, send you out somewhere else, and I think him being the one that is, like, interacting with a lot of that stuff, like, did give me quite a bit about his character um, that I felt like came through really well, and in, in those particular scenes, I felt like he was one of the stronger characters, I think. I, I can I can see where you're coming from there. I, I think I kind of forgot about some of that that because I'm that's kinda coming back to me now and I'm like, oh yeah, that was that was pretty good and impactful. So yeah, that's uh good so stuff. That was all that was all really good. Um I do kinda wanna talk about before we, we get into more of the in like interpersonal character stuff, I wanna talk a little bit about kind of the world that they set up and also the way they set up this world. Um because Again, so this is a very Gone Home style game. Um, so this is a very environmental storytelling heavy game, uh, which means that a lot of the information about the world and the story and the characters is a, a extremely missable because you just don't have to pick up the thing or you just don't look at the thing. Or, you know, there's like there's a crossword puzzle you can find late in the game that one of the characters is filling out and you can pick up and turn over the crossword puzzle. Um, and it's kind of hard to read, which is unfortunate because I realized after I had beaten the game that actually there's an option to just make it so that all of the handwritten text appears as like a holograph, like a hologram over it. So it'd be easier to read. Wish I would have done that, but <laughs> I didn't, didn't know that was a thing there, but it's like a crossword puzzle. And you can see in the crossword puzzle, like, I I could have misread this, but I'm pretty sure it said Ventura started as a fast food company that then, like, eventually got into the AI business and eventually is one of the, like, hyper-ruling companies that essentially own the whole world. And that's just, like, a little tiny tidbit that I think adds a lot of flavor to the company, but it's just completely and totally missable. Um, and which is a shame because I think that this this world they set up is really interesting and really, like kind of dynamic and you know it's obviously not like capitalist dystopia is not a new thing in sci-fi but i think they do a really good job with it and i wanted to know how you like how you felt about this world and how you felt about the way that the information of the world was portrayed to you i i didn't think a lot about the world to the end scene really i think Mm -hmm. that i had a lot of questions going in and i think i missed a lot of that smaller stuff because i just you know um Sometimes I'll get captivated by something, and I just kind of, especially the video games. It's like I, I just, I just don't want to look too much into it. I just kind of want to get there, and I want to, you know, get to the ending. And I weird think that, that you didn't like Gone Home, then crazy. <laughs> so I, I like some of it, like when it's there, and when I see it, and when it's a little bit easier to grab onto, I will look into everything, and I'll like look into, essentially, like. If there's a desktop, like there are desktops throughout every personnel room, I'm going to get mm-hmm. into the room and I'm going to get into the desktop. If I see a keypad, I'm going to figure out what the password is. But like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to grab every newspaper and turn it around or every mug. And like, I, I, I just don't want to do that kind of stuff. So I think they organized, they organized this stuff really well to be like, if you want to learn about 
the characters, you're going to look at their personal stuff. If you want to learn about the world, you're going to grab things like newspapers and like, you know, um, sit and listen to the CEO's whole speech or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of options. You know, it's not like a choose your own adventure game, but you have a lot of options to look into what you want to. And I love... I love games that let you look into what you want and don't force you into sort of being invested in the world because I can easily see not being super interested in the world because I really wasn't when it started. I was more interested in the AI itself and like, you know, what its relationship was with uh, Venturis and everything like that, which is sort of the world, but not as directly. Uh, yeah, but, that's more central to the main plot line. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the environmental storytelling as far as like, did it work for me? Yeah, I, I think so, because I didn't really look into it. So I was okay <laughs> with it. Um, and, you know, I read everything, but it just, there is something that didn't, I, I just wasn't that into until the very end. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then the game worked for me. So I think um, omission by choice is like a cool way to sort of structure a narrative and be like, you don't need all of this, but you can if you want. Yeah, that's really interesting. You and I played this game in like wildly different ways because I was definitely like picking up mugs and toothpaste tubes and (laughs) stuff like that. Uh, You know, to some degree by the end of the game, I was like, okay, I'm not going to pick up like mundane stuff just to see the art design on it because it didn't do that much for me but anything that could have had like interesting writing on it i definitely picked up um and engaged with quite a bit i mean i was pretty like it was very quick to draw me in that way about the first time it was talking about like big cruise liners and it was like from the carnival cruise line and i was like now is that just (laughs) that's just a coincidence or do they literally just mean carnival cruise and then they did the same thing with amazon and then hilton and i was like okay no so they're just sort of like picking out huge companies and determining who will be around <laughs> is, in 2085 or whatever. Is Carnival really that big? I mean, I think they're the biggest cruise line by a wide margin. Yeah, I just didn't think cruises were that big. I mean, if we can go to space, they fucking will be. I guess space cruise, yeah, you're right. I just, I don't think, I think someone like Delta or United Airlines would pick up space before Carnival does, but maybe they kind of wanted to fair, pick, the, but I don't know. pick the smaller guys minus Amazon. <laughs> My, I mean, Hilton's not small either, to be fair. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I, I, I don't know. I'm actually, I'm really curious why they chose those particular companies, and it might be in one of the commentaries that I didn't, didn't see, but I, I think it's that, like, about the time I realized they were doing that, um, I was really interested and also then had to Google, like, did they get in trouble? Was there, like, a defamation lawsuit or anything that I have to know about them? Which it doesn't seem like there was, though. So well, there was but, never any bad things about those companies really right it was just venturis that was being evil yeah there was never any explicitly bad things except for like generally bad capitalist things when they were like oh you can't ever work here again no matter what happens because you left this one posting a little bit early and we won't allow you to and you know stuff like that but yeah they were never like and then amazon fucking killed a hundred million people in this terrible genocide that we don't talk about or anything like that which you know i wouldn't put it past amazon but there was nothing that probably would have triggered a lawsuit i was just curious um yeah but no yeah i think that that's really interesting that that you and i could have had such different 
experiences with the way that we engage with this game and walk out of it, I think, feeling pretty similarly at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 very it's, it feels very you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink kind of thing where it's like you can if if some character like walked me to each of these things or I was playing with someone and they're like, oh, my God, you got to pick up that newspaper and like read mm-hmm. it and check it out. Like, I, I don't think I would enjoy it as much um so. you, it's extremely you can lead a duncan to lore but you can't make him read you're right you're <laughs> absolutely right <laughs> that's gonna be my new tagline for everything <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good that's good oh god uh so let's see here what we got i gotta ask you something here we were talking about the world and everything like this and this is something i was thinking about on a walk i had because I was thinking about, like, if I was walk- walking around my house or, like, outside or whatever through a store, what – do you think it would be helpful to see where you are or where, where people are in any given time? Like, this technology that lets you see, like, you know, the body shapes of the people and what they where they were and what they were saying mm-hmm. in that location, does that seem helpful or, like – would it just be easier just to have audio – like, not easier, but just as important just to have just the audio? I don't – I I, I I have a hard time believing that this technology is really all that more helpful. And you're asking in terms of, like, in-game story-wise, not in terms of, like, for design of the game. No, correct? yeah, absolutely. We're throwing design of the video game out the window. I'm saying, like, in a world setting. Like, if this technology existed right now, would it be that important to know where people were at those times so, and things like that? For you and I, No. Because why the fuck would we? For right. a capitalist dystopia where you want to be able to prove liability whenever anybody does anything wrong, I imagine everything's being recorded 24-7. And I imagine yeah. video is a big component of that because they want to be like, oh, look, clearly they were negligent here, so we don't have to pay out this wrongful death lawsuit or something like that. Yeah, I guess you can see exactly where they were at a particular time. So it's mm-hmm. sort of like sort of helps you be like, well, look at that. They took a 16-minute long break when it was only 15. <laughs> They're in the break room for an extra minute. Yeah, I guess They're that's... absolutely getting docked loyalty points for that. If you had a, if you got a job offer that was basically this, except not the death part, just like you were, like, you made a, a, a pretty good amount, but you were being, like, AR recorded all times while you were at work. But when you went home, you, you, got, you weren't recorded anymore. Would you work there? Hmm. So you're saying like if I like I could work a nine to five at an office and I was just recorded while I was in the office and then I could come home and I wouldn't be recorded? Yes. Okay. So not like the year long. No. Okay. Um probably not. That sounds fucking miserable. Yeah, it sounds real scary. I don't know. I guess like in a world where it's like that's your only option, that kinda sucks. Man. Yeah, and I mean if I was like on the the other part of that is like they're on a space station, and that's pretty fucking cool. So, like, if you throw that into the mix, like, okay, but also you get to be in space for a while, then, like, yeah, maybe I would take it for a while, because that might be a worthwhile trade-off. But, again, that is a, like... Would you just do what they do? Like, what they did? And just, like, be on there 24 hours for a year and just be, like, recording, talk to an AI and make them... Have them make you make cakes and shit? <laughs> The AI makes you makes one of the characters make a cake in a very particular way, and it's fucking mm. awful. <laughs> I love that scene so much. Um, I don't know. I think there there could be a case to be made for it. 
I still think it's kind of terrifying um, yeah. in a privacy sense, but also like I really do want to go to space, so I might be willing to make that sacrifice. Though a year's a long fucking time. I think I could do it because it seems like they have communication with the with the outside world, although none mm-hmm. of it is private, which is kind of scary. So it's mm-hmm. like if you felt like, uh, man, I don't know if I could do it. I'm going to say yes, but I feel very wishy-washy on that. Yeah. Hey, it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, comment down below. Would you <laughs> go on the Tacoma for a year? <laughs> Tell us your thoughts. Oh, God, what have we become? If you go to discord.com slash. <laughs> <laughs> now, join our discord. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Don't, yeah. don't do that. I don't want to fucking talk about whether you would or wouldn't go. I'm thinking myself a really no. deep hole you know what? Here. No, do it. I'll fucking talk to you about yeah, that. I'll actually, school I will. your ass on why you're wrong on it. I want to talk a little bit about the the ending here, um, and I want to get your thoughts on it, because I saw, you know, we, you know, we browsed the Steam reviews briefly after after we had finished the game, and a lot of people mm-hmm. seemed to be kind of unhappy with it, and not just Steam reviews, like a lot of places did. So how did you, how did you feel about the ending as a whole both the ending for the people on the tacoma space station and the ending um for you know amy and odin going to be part of this like ai liberation front were there a lot of negative feelings on the ending or was it the game's like length ending i i did feel i found a decent amount that were like i just sort of like i didn't like i wanted more or it felt abrupt or it felt not satisfying stuff like that i don't know that um i i don't think it felt Excuse me. I don't think it was. It wasn't what I expected. And it was. Mm-hmm. It felt like the story was leading up to something very grim. And I think usually I'm all for that. And I'm just like, yeah, like, make me sad that these characters didn't live. Really fuck capitalism. Like, I can't believe this happened. Like, this makes so much sense that this is what happened. And just like, there's a lot of feelings and negative energy that's like stacked on top of each other that would make a good story if it like ended poorly like i think either Mm. way if this uh story ended in a in a negative is not the right word in a tragic ending that i think my feelings of its quality would be just as good or just as like in the same wavelength as the the more positive and um and uh happier ending and i think that there's something new with this where i'm like this was like a weird surprise happy ending like i feel like in a lot of shows or movies or games you know what the whether it's going to be a tragic or not tragic ending like you just kind of know i feel like right yeah like you, yeah for sure yeah and I, I think this one i didn't really know like they played with the tension a lot it's sort of a you know narrative game so it's not really like conforming to some sort of like okay this has to be the formula this is the hero's journey etc etc it felt very <laughs> like okay I, I, I don't know I, I have a strong feeling this is going to end negatively and it's sort of like okay actually everyone survived because odin was able to pull through with that for everyone and i'm like oh no but odin like i'm here to take odin away and give it back to venturis and like this is this is going to be the death for Odin, and he, like, sacrificed his life for all of these people, or his AI mm-hmm. life, or whatever you want to, however you want to classify that, and then it turns out that, again, as you know, he 
gets saved by your character for, you know, liberating AIs and stuff like that. And it just kind of made me walk away going, yeah, yeah, sometimes things do work out, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it didn't work out the way they wanted to, but it ended up working out. And it felt like this brain space that I think I needed to be in in that moment where it's like, even if things don't go the way you planned, because it didn't, Venturis did not come for them. They mm -hmm. were not able to make the space pod. You know, uh, I, I spent a majority of the game thinking that Odin was was fucking with them the whole time. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I don't know. Did you? By the way, I mean, yeah, I think they okay. they they tease enough in there about like there's something weird with Odin, but I wasn't sure if you know I didn't know which side he was going to land on. Yeah. By the end, like by the second to third last scene, I'm like, oh yeah, oh he's definitely good. Uh, but mm -hmm. anyways. I think that it told me a little bit of a message and made me feel good where it's just like sometimes when everything goes wrong, sometimes things still go in a positive direction. I don't know. I think I just needed that in that moment. And I was really satisfied with the ending as a whole. Even if it wasn't dramatic, even if it wasn't big, it was still impactful in a way for me in that moment. Yeah, I, I think that's totally reasonable. I think that... I felt a lot of the same thing. And I, I do wonder, you know, had I played this in 2017, how would I have felt about it then? You know, like, I I didn't want another very sad ending right now in the middle of June 2020. I just wasn't in the headspace for a really sad fuck-me-up sort of ending. I got enough shit to be angry and sad about. Um, so I think that it, it kind of helped out in that particular way. Yeah. But I, I can understand people who maybe have a gripe that it was a little bit abrupt or that you didn't really feel like you got closure on a lot of the storylines that were hanging between these characters. Like, like I, what, I think that's, what needed closure? I, like, just the journey these characters went on seemed really... Like, it, it just ended quickly, right? Like, you know, Evie yeah. St. James and Clive, they go into cryostasis and, like, pretty early on, and then they get... 35 seconds before the end of the game and their characters are like gone you know so i i think i just i did want a little bit more like i think the ending could have benefited from maybe another 10 to 15 minutes you know length but i don't know necessarily what they would have done with it yeah I... but it, it was it did wrap up very quickly and it wrapped up very neatly so sometimes it does give that feeling of like, okay, but like where was, you know, what was the point? What was the cost? Like what was all this? And I, I still walked away from it liking it quite a bit. And I'm not, you know, I didn't want it to be tragic or anything like that. Um, but it did feel like it wrapped up very quickly. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think there was much else to say. I mean, they clearly had to like, you know, hide away for a long time to sort of be away from Venturis and not like get caught by them and... Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, but like they, but but I don't know. Like I don't know any of that because they weren't necessarily like. It didn't seem like they were stealing themselves to get into like a protracted legal battle with Venturis or anything, right? Like they were just picked up by a cruise ship that was going to Jupiter, so they would be away from Earth for eight months, and that's like, you know, that was that. Like we didn't really get much more with it. Yeah, um, but do you want to just like see them chilling on Jupiter? <laughs> I kind of fucking love that. First of all. <laughs> That would be good. If I, I I feel like I didn't... I wanted a little bit more. I think what I really wanted was a little bit more of the characters reckoning with the information that they found. Like, I wanted... I see. Yeah. Because all three of them that weren't conscious 
are kind of loopy and out of it a little bit. Um, and then the both the engineers, Nat and Bert, don't really seem like they knew a ton about what was going on or didn't react to it very much. Um, and even Sarah didn't react to it that much. It's just kind of a lot of like, nope, that's not what happened. Anyway, let's get on to it. So I just wanted a little more of them like coming to terms with it, I guess. You know or what I think recognizing game, what happened. You know what I think it could have served for? It could have hmm. served for a like, where are they now kind of thing. Yeah, just give me like a fucking 80s credits montage yes, yes. with each of the like AR holograms jumping into a different position and then we get some like cheery pop music behind it. I would have loved that shit. And then it's dude. just like one of the characters has, has a very tragic like drug riddled <laughs> awful thing yeah. that they did. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, I actually I do think that would have worked quite a well because I don't think you can jump ahead any amount of time without giving no. it another hour or so. Um, and I don't, I don't think I wanted like I them leaving the station should have been the end of the game. I maybe just wanted them to be like awake for a little bit longer or something. You know, I wanted a instead of a two minute final recording, maybe I wanted a ten minute final recording. You know. Yeah. Speaking of um, recordings, you played a little bit of the uh, commentary mode, did you? Yes, I How did. How do you feel about I that? Did. I didn't touch it. I wanted to touch it, but I. I just didn't get around to it. No, I I loved it. I strongly recommend, A, more games do commentary modes, and B, if you really liked this game, hop into the commentary mode. Um, it's very well done. There's just a bunch of, like, spinning nodes that you can interact with throughout the levels, and each one is, you know, developer commentary, whether that's from the, you know, voice actors or the artists or the developers or the writers or, you know, what have you. Um, but each one kind of focuses on a different little topic, and they do the smart thing where, like, if you hover over it, it tells you, you know, what that topic will be about. So, you know, you can just be like, ah, really, I don't really care about the 3D design of objects in this space. I just want to hear about, like, why they did this particular thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a bunch of them. There's, like, probably 20 of those per one of the, like, you know, per the biomedical wing, there's 20. And then there's 20 more in a different wing. So there's, like, a whole bunch of them throughout. And it's really cool to get just the... um insight and inspiration from different developers uh one of the things like that i didn't know because this is really uncommon for games is all of the like group ar scenes that was like i mean they were you know obviously voice acted but they were actually like together for those scenes when they were voice acting like looking at each other and performing them which is really uncommon for large scenes and games like that um so i thought that was really cool to hear about the voice actor insights and then just like all the different inspirations and everything that really kind of clarified some of my thoughts. I tried not to listen to too, too many of them because I didn't want to just like accidentally spout what the developers were saying on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but it was a really, really smart way to provide insight for people who are like really interested in this game. Um, I, they did say something about if you go all the way through the game, you get like in commentary mode, you get like a little extra story stuff, but I didn't, you know, didn't sound like it'd be anything groundbreaking and also i just didn't have the time to do that because i finished this game last night um also kind of like was... fuck you for putting behind that a wall <laughs> like i'm sorry but that's lame <laughs> i mean i don't think it was like hey this is going to change the story i think it's just gonna be like hey here's you know maybe a couple extra lines of dialogue here or there or something like that sure because um, the, the the commentary mode was not like launched with the game yeah the game launched without it and it was patched in later as an extra thing so i'm sure it wouldn't have been um too much at all but no it's, sure. it's very very cool if you liked this game and you did not check it out like 
there's some good insights in there and there's some like very obvious um, inspirations that you can pull from. They talked about one of the things that was really interesting. And I think I've mentioned um, this to you before is they mentioned sleep no more in New York as a big inspiration for this game. Hmm. Sleep no more is this big, like I guess theater production that takes place on like a couple of different floors of the building. But you know, you pay like a hundred bucks to go in there and it's a couple hours, but like the actors are all just throughout this building and you walk around kind of however you want. And there's like no separation between stage and like viewer. Um, So you just kind of like get to be right up next to these actors and then can get like pulled into a different room. And there's like a bunch of intertwining storylines going on. You don't catch all of. So it's kind of, this All like right. really weird spatial thing that I've heard very yeah you know, I've heard varying things about from people who have done it but it sounds incredibly incredibly cool um, you just like walk into a room and there'll be like an orgy and you walk into a different room and they'll be like sacrificing a pig and you'll be like what the fuck is going on? I don't understand this <laughs> you have to go multiple um, times to get the full story <laughs> I mean that that's literally true yeah you're supposed to go like four or five times to start to figure out what's fully going on I think it's like supposed to be Hamlet I want to say I don't know um, but it was really cool to be like, oh, yeah, I can like very easily see how they drew inspiration from that to the way that they designed these scenes and like mapped them out and had all the like, you know, concurrent storylines going on where people come together for one moment and then split off to have their other, you know, different stories. Like, I think that's all that's a lot of insight that you would not normally get into that type of stuff. Yeah. And it was really fun even for I finished the game and immediately turned around and started um, commentary mode and was still engrossed with it for a while. So have you, uh, really, have you really cool. watched a movie commentary? I don't actually think so. Yeah, no. Me either. Um, I did. Excuse me. I did. I did go through portals commentary. I think I don't remember if it was the first one or second one that had it or both, but I know I went through one of them throughout the whole commentary mode and it was pretty interesting too. So I, I, I like that kind of stuff. I like seeing where people drew inspiration for things. I think a lot of that ends up on like YouTube videos by people who don't, yeah. who are just like pulling random facts around. But I think it would be nice to actually like walk around the world and take your time and pace through everything. So yeah, that's really or, cool. Or, you know, on podcasts with developers, you can get really good insights and they can ask very directed questions. So, you know, mm. I don't like if that. You wanted, I don't like that. I, you know, like, I think I think a lot of podcasts do it wrong, but I think there is exactly one that had a really good interview with the creator of Hypnospace Outlaw that you should go check out earlier in our feed. Really? Um, yeah. Who is that? Yeah, Who is I know. That? Ah, hard to say. Thoughts from players something. Couldn't tell. No, it um, sounds too stupid. It must be a better <laughs> name. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. Crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> please isolate that audio clip and use it as every transition we make for the rest of the time we do this podcast <laughs> uh, um so throughout throughout tacoma not only are you listening in and eavesdropping on conversations you're also able to sort of see some information about uh what the person was looking at I, I never really got it completely clear as to like was this what they were looking at at the time or what they had opened at the time on their com- like personal I, I computer think, yeah their ar desktop i think when you initially click into it um the thing that opens up first is what they are currently looking at okay. and then there's three other nodes and you know got it those nodes could be things are those nodes are things like from tabs. the past 
got it okay yeah so so um throughout that you you can see like it shows you on the timeline when someone had their computer open so you can go over to that person and open up what they were looking at at the time and any previous stuff they may have had open um excuse me and sometimes um you open these things up and certain nodes are corrupted but then also sometimes just entire text strings are corrupted so mm-hmm. you sort of like get this broken message from one person to another where it'll be like that it'll be in the middle or you know uh, middle of a paragraph and then by the end of a sentence it'll start to become scrambled and then you can see it uh back around again uh come back around um i felt like this was a really good way to get to the point with a lot of stuff without making it seem like an unrealistic message um mm-hmm. I, I think that it took out some of the unnecessary detail but then sometimes i'm like what would you really even say in between this and that <laughs> like it does just sort of feel like one concurrent sentence but uh yeah. sometimes i think they did a pretty good job you know, making it feel like it was the middle of it and they were just sort of, like, picking and choosing the stuff that was important. Um, I never really felt like I needed anything in between it where I'm like, this is so frustrating. I wish they would just, you know, I wish I could see what the rest of this was. And I wonder if that's what they wanted me to feel like. Like, I I never really felt like that uh, just because I think I got enough out of the message. And also sometimes I think I read certain, not all, but certain messages where I'm like, I, I just don't really care all that much. And I'm just kind of close <laughs> to that. I, I think some of the more like, like, um, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain which ones did and didn't work for me because I've yeah. like on an individual basis. But, uh, mm. you know, like reading back at it, to it again and trying to figure out what they would have been saying, I, I didn't try. But sometimes I really tried. I just don't think there was enough missing for me to fill in the blanks as to what may have been there to want to know what was there to really care about it that much so i i'm kind yeah, of neutral. i mean how I, did you feel about it i and i do think that is what they were going for i think they were going for you having a sense of like oh i got what i needed to get and move on um and i i appreciated that more i think at the end of the game than i did the beginning of the game because by the end of the game it was like okay i got like the little bit that i needed i didn't get all the like fluff in the middle essentially and i want to move on because i'm interested in where the story's going but i think at the beginning of the game and this was not you know it didn't cease to be true later on it's just that i i wanted to keep moving like it it still did that but it was way too convenient like i never really felt like i ran into a message that I couldn't decipher because of data corruption, right? Like right. everything was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of corrupted information here, but also the corrupted information here could really boil down to like one sentence that is not important and you can figure out through context. And like it, I feel like I wanted a little more that was maybe actually undecipherable because that would have lent a sort of credibility to the idea that there was data corruption that like, actually had an impact whereas this was just like oh they wanted to like flavor to the whole thing so they just didn't write like kind of full sentences here and there essentially and then tied it together with like some unreadable text Uh, and i think that at first kind of put me off again by the end i was like okay cool like i didn't want another six paragraphs anyway because i just want to move on yeah but i don't think that they would have lost much if those text files were just complete and shorter (laughs) um so i i don't know It, it felt a little too convenient for my tastes, I think. Yeah, I think where they they just sort of like 
had a part of an idea on the first paragraph and then like edited out two paragraphs and then the the third one starts with what naturally would have had the other one ended i kind of i couldn't help but roll my eyes on those ones yeah or Um, it would be like here's a news article but you can't read all of it and it would be like earlier in you know 2083 in tacoma washington venturas owned this thing and there was factory fire 55 dead settlement pending is like okay well yeah but like i get it <laughs> you didn't really cut anything out there it's the yeah. thing though <laughs> yeah imagine like three sentences in between all of those there uh so yeah. yeah what what have you really missed out on i think aesthetically it was really cool and i think something that they could yeah. have done really well is and i think that this wouldn't have worked well for the game because i think it would have overflowed you at the beginning um is like as the time went on the more corrupt mm. it got because of everything that was going on and like, you know, the status of the people, but you know. Yeah. And, and I think the corruption, it did work sometimes, you know, the, the scene at the end of the game where you're missing like a 19 minute chunk in the AR recording between like the explosion, like between Sarah talking to Odin and then the explosion happening, you're missing just a huge chunk there. And I thought that was really good because it gave you like a sense of, okay, well, I wonder what was going on. I wonder where this conversation happened. Like looking down at the recording when you first started, be like, I'm not listening to them talk for 22 fucking minutes while I walk slowly behind them. That's not happening right now. Um, <laughs> but you've like, literally I'll... done that for the last two hours. Yeah, but they were like three minutes at most. And then I could continue my environmental storytelling. Yeah, that's um, true. So I think it worked well there, but I, I don't know. Um, it, it was an interesting choice, I will say that. But that whole, like, that kind of feeds into this this other question that we had touched on briefly. Like, this whole opening up the, like, AR desktop and then looking at, like, these various messages that have scrambled information. Like, these personal messages that people were writing to their family. Like, you know, walking around and looking, you know, there's a scene where you walk in and just one of the characters is showering. And that's, like, pretty much the whole scene. Um, and there's just, like, a little bit of dialogue. Like, the whole game has a very voyeuristic feel, um, which, <laughs> weirdly enough, felt worse for me when I found out that they all lived at the end. Um, <laughs> because it seemed... Initially, Wait. I was like, oh, I'm an investigator-type person, so, like, I'm just trying to put together the story up to them dying, which I should have known, because literally when I replayed the commentary, it was very clear immediately that, like, your AI is like, all oh, passengers evacuated. And I was like, oh, I just fucking blew right past that the first time I played this game. Huh. Um, I didn't notice that either. I, I think you're probably intended to not remember it or maybe to think that they died and their bodies were evacuated or something. Yeah. Um, but it, it, like, it was... There's, I think, a different type of feeling to that when you are realizing you're looking through the actual interpersonal interactions from as early as... Or as yeah, as early as, like, 12 hours ago from this group of people and reading their, like, personal messages to their family and, like, talking about their past and their traumas and everything like that that felt, you know, it didn't stop me from enjoying the game or anything, but it did feel a little weird. And I don't know if you felt that, too, throughout sure. the game or if that's just me or... I think it's always... I think some of these games could always benefit from having another character explore it with you sometimes, but... Because uh, I, the only thing I can imagine when this kind of stuff happens is Amy, the character that you play, just walking around and silently looking at this stuff with the same, like, <laughs> bold, like, nothing face on. Just be like, hmm, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think some dialogue between, like, her and AI. But sometimes that feels so, like, I don't know, 
It feels so kind of like if if you have a bad voice actor, it ruins the moment because you can have someone be like, oh, my God, no mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's like, OK, all right, don't ham it up. Yeah. Let me have my own emotion. But, you know, it, it does feel weird with a character, you know, uh, Amy investigating all this stuff and then just having absolutely nothing. But you don't really know what's going on in her head. So anyways. Yeah, uh, but it, how- I mean, it also feels weird because Amy has no fucking reason to be picking through this person's yeah. footlocker to find <laughs> the note that they wrote to their like divorced wife or whatever. You know? Yeah, it doesn't have like I felt like with with a game like, um, oh, my God, what was the one with the ship, the ship, the time ship? time past oh you're talking about return of the oberdin yeah with return of the oberdin it felt very necessary for me to like look at every single inch but for this it felt like i could have literally plugged the book in that uploads the ai and sit there for a half an hour and then pick it Mm. back up and leave you know what i mean yeah instead you get like really deep (laughs) into people's personal lives and if and you know and again in like gone home their previous game like you were going back to your childhood home. So it made sense that you would be physically looking at the objects around that home because it's from your family. But right. It's, I don't know. Again, it did not, you know, it didn't hamper my enjoyment of the game or anything like that. How did I personally feel about it? Like just like looking through it and thinking about it. I don't know. I didn't get a, uh, in my mind, Amy wanted to know what happened just as much as I did. Now, did we need mm-hmm. to watch the character shower? Probably not, but it's also just a polygonal fucking mess, so it doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah, and that's, matter. you know, it's fine. <laughs> like, there's, you know, they are living on the space station. They are showering. They are working out. They are, you know, you would get some degree of that for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're And, and you know, I'd imagine, you know, this character being, like, looking and be like, oh, I don't need to see this. <laughs> just walking yeah. out again. Uh, but... You know, I think curiosity is definitely something that happens. Anyways, I, I didn't get a big like where I'm like, oh, this is weird. I shouldn't be here. And I think they could have mm-hmm. played that up a little bit, but I'm not sure it would completely fit the story where you don't feel like you should be in a, in a, in a specific scene. Like they cut things off a lot in inconvenient ways or like at certain times to enhance the story overall. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think if they wanted to, they could have played with that a lot more, but I don't think they really wanted to go there. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know that it would have added anything, but it was it's just something that I like I couldn't find a way to justify afterwards. Again, I didn't bother me while I was playing the game, but it's like that's that was really weird actually now that I think about it. Um yeah. but that's fine. Uh, I also wanted to ask, did you like did you play darts or pool or basketball or any of the fun little mini games that were throughout the whole space station? Yeah, I played darts, I threw the basketball around. There's pool? You can play pool? Yeah, like they got the the Damn. pool table set up in that obsolescence room. Literally, you have to be basically touching it to use the dartboard. Huh? No, I I just didn't <laughs> think you could interact with that pool table. Yeah, huh. you can pick up the pool cue and then you can like shoot all the balls around and oh, some physics, man. and it's fun. I like pool. It's fun. I like all the little stuff. Like the dartboard was definitely my favorite because you open it up and there's just like a pinned picture of the CEO of Ventures <laughs> right in the bullseye, and that <laughs> yeah. was very good. That was good. I like that. Um, I I kind of. Before I think we close out, I wanted to talk. I feel like we really didn't get to talk too much about Odin, and uh, I know true. we didn't g- g- agree to go there because I know how sensitive you are about AI stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Famously, super famously. Oh, sorry, my dog made a really weird noise, so we can just <laughs> <laughs> we can just restart that one. No, uh, it's good. I keep it in. Cool. It's organic and real. Yeah. Um. Do you? How did you? just feel about odin from start to finish because i think 
they they sort of set you up and i i feel like i fell for it in the beginning where he sort of like they give you all these warnings and sort of being like hey you're going to be recorded the entire time that you're here and like he delivers this message so he's sort of the he feels like the authority here yeah. And it feels all of these sort of games, like these sci-fi narratives about big, you know, corporations and stuff like that is always, you always look to the power and that's usually where the evil is. So mm-hmm. I think it really triggers you to like look at Odin first and then throughout the game, he has like these personal conversations through with, with different characters and stuff like that. And by the end, as we know, he did the whole, you know, showing her there, but I don't really know why. Do you really understand why he did it? And you could say, like, oh, he grew a relationship with these people and stuff like that. But I think he had really set rules that I I don't know. It just felt very, like, I think I I had slight believability issues with him just being able to say, hey, um, here's my crafty little AI trick. You should go check out this door. But, Mm -hmm. um don't you don't have to go in it it's an option it didn't feel like that was something that they would have let slip through in his design or his directive you know what i mean and they they do a little bit of i think working around that particular issue with uh natalie's storyline and her like you know if you explored her living space and her workspace and everything like that because a lot of what she like her role on the like job was was to work to make this ai better which involved a lot of like okay you know it had like eight different points that they were trying to raise which included things like creativity and decision making and independence and everything like that um but also her storyline involved her wanting more access to odin and then when you explore her actual bunk is the first time you find or the first time at least i found i don't know if this one earlier there's like a flyer for the ai liberation front that kind of explains what they do and why they do it so i got the impression that she was kind of a um sleeper agent so to speak Um, and then that is i think kind of aided by the fact that one of the people that she talks to uses a pseudonym and is the one that helps sarah out when she reaches out to him after everything happened so i think she also was a member of the ai liberation front that was intentionally trying to do that okay i i didn't catch the the ai liberation front thing i caught the like her designing the ai i just assumed like you know she was helping it learn but they Mm -hmm. were you know able to sort of pull the strings on on him but uh, i can it's not explicitly stated she might have just been sympathetic to that cause but yeah yeah i I can definitely see her being able to be like okay uh yeah i'm gonna twist things around and make him a little bit more loose on us or something like that because she is sort of the like i don't know she's she seems like the most likely to break the rules anyways out of all the characters yeah. so and yeah. they also like they kind of play it, it seems like they play a little fast and loose with what ai are allowed to do anyway um specifically you know in the way that it interacts with the crew but then at the ending when it there's a communication between um, Odin and I don't actually know if it's Sergio the CEO or if it was just uh, like another AI but like very explicitly changed Odin's directives so that he like in just a message said these are your new directives and it included the things about like you know don't allow the people on the station to communicate with anyone don't allow this or that to happen like harm and kill these people and override anything that said that you wouldn't be able to yeah um, 
So it, it clearly it's not like a hardware level built in Asimov three rules thing or anything like that. Yeah, and that's interesting because uh, and they kind of like trick them too. They're like at first they're like, hey, you're gonna turn these things off, and then we're gonna send a st- a, a, a rescue ship mm-hmm. to take them off, and then like a day before it, they're like, uh, <laughs> no, no, we're not gonna do that actually. So uh, <laughs> that's, just uh, that's not gonna happen. Sorry about just that. Just don't worry about that one. Uh, so it's like they didn't yeah. really give them a lot of time to process it either, which is but they do kind of interesting. They they do make Odin seem a little kind of menacing. Not menacing. They make him seem a little suspect at the beginning. I agree with that. Like, especially one of the first um, interactions that I listened to with him was when he was talking to Sarah, and he seemed to have a, like, distinct attachment to her in a way that I was like, is this going to be one of those stories where the AI falls in love but doesn't understand the value of other human life so it killed everyone to be with Sarah? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, very luckily, it was not because... That would have been very sad, and I don't think it would have been nearly as interesting. Um, but definitely for at least the first third of the game, I was uh, expecting Odin to have played some sinister role in the plot. Hey, you said another one of those. I've never heard that before. I understand the uh, concept, but I've never <laughs> seen that before. What, 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 what are you watching or reading that, that has these themes? I mean, generally speaking, I don't know. I feel like I've definitely seen that plot where, like, an AI misunderstands human emotions and then grows an attachment but doesn't understand the rationale around. I feel like I've definitely seen that before. Hmm. I cannot point to an instance of it, but I feel like I've seen that before for sure. Interesting. I'm sort of, I'm sort of looking online. Well, I mean, I, I bet I bet it's out there. I I would bet that maybe I saw something when I was young. Look, you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think you might have had some sort of sick dream, and now I it's like you know, now it's, it's like possible. something that's gotten into your mind of being like a story that definitely happened. But I think you just want to be the person who the AI falls in love with. I mean, look, who wouldn't want to be in love with Odin? He's such a good guy. I love his voice. It's very calming he, and soothing. Yeah, this is a very good voice. Yeah. It's it's a very good AI. There's also a cat on the ship, which we didn't mention because there's not anything there to talk about, but I did love the fact that there's like a station cat that's in mm-hmm. every scene that you can find if you look around enough. I'm so happy to know the cat made it out. Me too. Thank God they remembered that. If they would have forgot that, that would have been so fucked. <laughs> the cat's the only thing that died. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been truly tragic. I think the last thing I want to just mention is we get every time you transition from scene to scene, like different uh, wings, you get these advertisements for these fucking space bungalows, dude. Mm-hmm. Can I just say I'd give how many years of your life would you give to live on a space bungalow or just have like, no, not live, but like be able to rent one, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's basically a timeshare sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have I an think all it access would be pretty cool to the bungalow. I think it would be very cool. I, yeah. I think I would give up a couple years of my life, but probably not too much more than that because I don't trust them in this particular instance. Okay, but what if it was a good one, like a real chill Elon Musk <laughs> space bungalow? What if it wasn't run by an evil company? Yeah, like Elon uh, Musk. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it would be very... I, I would... I would I would pay a lot of money to have a, a space bungalow vacation I home, I feel like. I don't think you have money. I think you have to spend years of your life, not money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> 
Time is money. I, 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 I would say play like somewhere between eight and ten, I think, is where I would cap out. But even that's eight a little... Eight and ten years? I, that's a lot, oh. but I'm assuming it. I'm assuming it gets clopped off the end, and I'm assuming I'm going to live way past what I want to still like, be alive. I like the idea that you signed this contract with some sort of genie, where it's like, it's like, okay, I'll take eight eight years out of my life to uh, to live. Eight space, years is a lot to, to spend time in a bungalow, and he's like, wish granted, and you instantly die. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> That just uh, f- what about you? Would you spend years of your life to have a space bungalow? I revise eight to ten. That feels like too many. Now I, you've made fun of me. I feel like five is probably my max. I feel like five yeah. is my max. I, I think you start to go in six, it stops being worth it, and like I don't know, it gets kind of scary. It's just, am I gonna live to be like ninety eight, or am I gonna die know. tragically at fifty three? That's the thing. That's, like, yeah, you don't know. If I don't know, I'm not willing to give up years of my life because I don't want to keel over dead right now. But. <laughs> because you never know. Exactly. Um, if uh, uh, Tweet at us how many years of your life you would give to live in a space bungalow. Don't give any context. Just say three mm-hmm. years, six years, eight years, and no one Please. will know what you're talking about. We will not know what you're talking about by the time you tweet it at us. <laughs> Probably not, but we'll really appreciate uh. it. And, I uh, did. I like those space bungalows, and I like the fact that they were there in every loading screen, but then also actually played an integral role in the story. I liked that a lot. It was yeah. all very good. Also, the music in between is good. Also, mm-hmm. I, we read a lot of reviews, and this is just like the negative, the fucking, like, fuck you corner. We're done being interesting and interesting. Oh, good. I love the fuck you corner. It's my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and, like, if we were reading a lot of reviews, and people were like, these characters are unnecessarily diverse and, you know, like LGBTQ and it doesn't really add anything to the story. It's like, why are they that? Just, just, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't matter because those characters, it doesn't matter who you swap them, like you swap them out with, it's going to be the same story. So why, why do you have a problem with them being that? I I don't see the problem with it. I just, if you were mad that the characters were unnecessarily gay or that they were unnecessarily diverse, then you are inherently saying straightness and whiteness are the norm and anything else is weird and different. Yeah. And if that's your worldview, get fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's all there is to that. If, you if a, you're mad about it, figure out your own fucking problem. If you have a different view of it that's not that and you have like a reasoning behind feeling like that, I would actually legitimately love to talk about it because like, I I, I just don't see like, like Natalie and Roberta are are married and they're both women and it's like that's fine and that doesn't need to not be a thing or be a thing like it it could be a straight relationship it could be a lesbian relationship it doesn't matter it's just it's just a relationship and those are the characters that they have and that's the ones they picked and it just yeah it's it doesn't matter like the the game was trying to they're tr- make this enormous point, which even if it was, that's fine. And also representation is good, actually. And sci-fi does a lot of that, actually. But, like, it, wh- what, what the fuck did it take away? It's not like they were walking around going, man, I love being gay. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you. It was just a, it was a depiction of a happy relationship. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of Steam reviews. I just wanted to get that out there. 
Um, yeah, that's fair. To just say that. I think I think this is the fuck you Steam review corner. Um, we should. That's a good. That's a good. We tried to read Steam reviews for like one feature once in one episode and we we're like oh, that sucked if we just like yell at steam reviews that's a good feature i yeah. can get behind that one yeah 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 cool i like that i like that new feature well um i think that's all for tacoma we've talked about an hour about a two-hour game so we've <laughs> eclipsed <laughs> the halfway point diligence. yeah i think we've, we've pretty much done our due diligence here so um thank you so much for listening to another installment of thoughts from player one if you'd like to follow us, we're at twitter.com slash thoughts from P1. That's where we're going to post our episodes, updates. And Alex has been on that tweet game. He's been tweeting out little tweets. I I, ha- I mean, not in the last few weeks, but sure. But I feel like I every now and again, I get a good tweet out into the world. Yeah. And that's good. That feels good. It feels right. It feels right. If you want to tell us about this episode positively. We highly recommend you leave a, a review on iTunes. It's good for your health. Doctors have told me it adds at least two days to your life. Those are days you can spend on space bungalows. <laughs> leave enough Steam reviews for our podcast. You can get a space bungalow free of charge. <laughs> That's true. You have to do it through iTunes, though. Apple is the only one who is offering days on your life for your <laughs> podcast reviews. We are not liable if you somehow die when you leave this, the iTunes review. We're not liable for that. So, yeah, you oh, can do that. I'm glad we got that if, important stuff out of the way. Huh? I'm glad we got that important disclaimer out of the way because for sure somebody's going to leave us an iTunes review and drop dead while writing it. <laughs> no, after they post it. After but you they have to post mistake. it to see if you die after. You can't just write it and say, no, I don't think I'll do that. Which I think what happens most of the time is people start writing, they get worried, and then they delete it. They get yeah. scared. They get are you nervous. talking about for our podcast? Are you talking about if we oh. included that, we'd have hundreds of thousands of five-star reviews? Exactly. If we didn't offer this policy where we gave people years of their life for leaving us iTunes review, I think I think, I think, think we would have a lot more reviews because people wouldn't be so scared. I don't know. This, this, I, this I, the, I'm losing the fiction here because yeah. now if you leave a review, you will get two days extra of your life, but you might drop down. Well, if you left, if you left the negative... But I think it's... Just possible you could always drop dead at any point, so that's kind of like the baseline. <laughs> okay, we're going back. We're going backwards. Please, please. I'm so deep in the hole. Uh, <laughs> gmail.com. Thoughts from player one at gmail.com is how you could reach out to us to make video game recommendations or tell us why you don't like us. That's fine. Hey, have we ever mentioned it's thoughts from player one O N E, not thoughts from player numeral one? Oh, God. We probably should have been doing that for four years. <laughs> yeah, thoughts from player one all spelt out. Um, yeah, uh, or you can just DM us. Our DMs are open on the tweeter. Um, they are, as of a few months ago when I realized you had to do that. Yeah, silly stuff. Um, but yeah, anyways, I think that's it. Yeah, check us out. Uh, we've been streaming a little bit more. Check out our Twitch page. Yes. Um, thoughts from player one, I believe, on Twitch. Um we are currently playing through Xenogears. We'll see how long that series goes on for, but we're about a couple hours into it right now, and it's a lot of fun, super interesting game. So if you're interested, stop by. Otherwise, we um, are also throwing some other streams in there, doing some fun stuff, and most of those will be ported to our YouTube page as well. Yeah, we're doing some. We're uploading the VODs to the YouTube, so check that out as well. We do a lot of stuff now. We do. We really do. Hmm. Neat. Well, just sort of half-ass a lot of different things. <laughs> 
That is my life. Stop harassing me. Stop harassing me. Do you have a fucking? Do you have a? Do you have a? You have a greeting card? Oh my fucking god! It's been a while since we've done this podcast. Ooh, Hold on, just gonna Google space. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not gonna be hard to find a fucking space greeting card, Duncan. Okay, I got one. This is kind of nice. A little nice one. I like doing the birthday cards for our, you know, because it, it might be somebody's birthday listening, or you know, maybe oh. somebody's got a birthday coming up. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like we gotta end on some positive energy because we dropped the fuck you corner in this episode. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. In the whole entire spacious, possibly alien inhabited galaxy, your star shines the brightest. Hope your birthday is stellar. Oh. Is there more to that? Nope. That's oh, you just sort of <laughs> ended sort it on a bad cadence. Got, sort it. Of, got it. Got it. Well, look, it's the okay. card ends on a bad cadence. It's okay. 14.3 billion years will play in the background and we'll be all hey, there we go. Yep. Well, there's a Valentine's Day one, too, that I can drop, but you know. No, I think you save that for our next sci fi one. Just go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, actually. Hey guys.